0: was going to come, bleed and die on Calvary, we know that the law was our schoolmaster to show us that we were not able to please God apart from God, and uh, so uh, I hope this morning that as we go into this that you understand that unless uh, the Lord is in control of your life, you bring nothing to the table that can please the Lord, and uh, so we're just having to rely on God and His direction for us to be anything for His glory and for His uh, for his honor. Alright, so let's look, if you will, stand with us for the reading and reverence of the Word of God. Let's look here at uh, verse number seven, and we'll read verses seven uh, down through verse number twelve and give you the thought that the Lord's laid on her heart, okay? Numbers chapter twenty, verse number seven, the Bible said the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together. Thou and Aaron, thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. Thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Here now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Brother Marvin, if you will, ask the blessing on the preaching, please. All right, don't intend this morning to spend a great portion of time dealing with specifically to Moses. But I want to consider Moses, seeing as we have dealt with Moses a lot in the last few services, uh, and his life, and his calling, and his failures, all right? And uh, we agree, or I think we can agree, that after considering these characters in the Word of God, uh, that even men like Paul, and men like Peter, men like Moses... Uh, we, David, we find that these men had uh, times in their life that when, their, uh, when they allowed their flesh, uh, the privilege, their flesh got in the way of what it was that God intended for them. All right, And Moses is no exception to that. We can look in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 10 and find without a shadow of a doubt that Moses was called by God for a specific task and that task was to Uh, to to say some things to that of Pharaoh uh, on behalf of God, and then also to be the leader that would call the Lord's people, uh, the Hebrew people, out of Egypt into the promised land. That was the goal there. And so we find that Moses was called in Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 10. (coughs) we find that Moses was calculated in Hebrews chapter 11, And verse 25 when we know that he considered that of the pleasures of sin for a season and weight in the balance is what it would be uh, if he went that route or if he went the route of God. And he chose no doubt to go with God in spite of the fact that he understood that there was pleasure in sin but that pleasure was but for a season. And so uh, we also find that not only was Moses called, not only was Moses calculated, but we find this portion in Numbers chapter 20 and verse 12 that Moses was corrected. Moses had to be corrected because Moses had allowed his flesh to get in the way of what God had wanted him to do. And he allowed his anger, if you will, to cause him to disobey God while expecting the children of Israel to obey God. While he was looking for them to have faith in the Lord, all the while he was allowing his frustration with their lack of faith To cause him to get angry, therefore uh, reacting in a carnal manner and disobeying God, which cost Moses the ability to lead the people into the promised land. right, so we can agree that on some uh, scale, we would find that Moses had failed. Now, Moses is, is written, it's written about Moses in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, this chapter that shows people of great faith. That Moses was a man of faith. I want to say this. You can be a failure and be a person of faith. You can uh, give your life to the Lord. You can look to serve the Lord. You can sell out to God and still find that you carry everything necessary in your body to come up and be a failure because you allow your carnality to get in the way of God. And so that's one thing that I find in common here. Now one common thread you and I should have this morning is that of the Lord Jesus Christ. But one other common thread that we have this morning is we're all robed in flesh. And so we have a tendency to allow our flesh to get into the way of God. And it causes problems. And Moses was no exception to that. And so while I'm not here to try to beat Moses up or try to run Moses down or act like Moses wasn't a man of faith, because he indeed was a man of great faith, for Moses would have never got to where he was at had he not had faith. But getting to where you're at with all the faith that's brought you thus far will not stop you from coming short of God's will for your life should you allow your flesh to get in the way. And so no matter how far you've come or no matter how far you've yet to go, you still better understand that flesh you're robed in will prevent you from getting and going where God wants you to go. Now the Lord brought Moses a great way. Sure did teach him a lot in all those years. But he still didn't actually achieve all that God wanted for him Because of his flesh, all right? So Moses, we see, because of his flesh, was by default that of a man of failure. And I want to say that Moses failed not only as an individual, but Moses failed as a leader, all right? And and Moses failed as a leader after all the preparation he had been given by God. Moses, Moses failed as a leader, having been concerned for God and his people, You look at the motivation of his heart to do good, it was there. But his flesh got in the way. But Moses failed as a leader all the while caring about God's people. That's an amazing thing to me that Moses could fail caring about God's people. Moses failed with the motivation of his heart being towards that of God. And uh, he allowed his, his carnality to get in the way. But how easily, let me ask you a question now. How easily would it be for the children of Israel to have said that Moses, in his failure, was the reason they hadn't made it to the promised land? Now I want you to think about that. Now, they all the time, every time something came up that got rough, they wanted to look back towards Egypt. Every time that things got hard, they wanted to say, it'd been better off for us to be in bondage back there under Pharaoh. So now we know that the judgment that God passed upon Moses and Aaron was not passed upon the children of Israel for they still got to go into the promised land. I want to say this. They didn't go into the promised land any sooner than what they did because they didn't obey God. Moses didn't go in because he didn't obey God. But Moses, Moses understand here was dealt by God specifically As was the children of Israel, specifically, based on how they were responding to God individually. And so you cannot blame where you're at on anybody but yourself this morning. All right, But I want you to understand it would have been easy because they, they are able to go into the promised land by following that of Joshua. But we find that Moses and Aaron do not get to go. Now, if they're so carnal all the time that they're saying it'd be better off to be in Egypt, it would be carnal for them to blame Moses, but it'd be easy. Yeah. See, it'd be carnal for them to blame Moses for not getting to go, but it would be, it'd, be very, it'd be very easy for them to do that, even, how, even though it was carnal. Now, I want to say this. Jo- Joshua was able to reap a lot of what Moses had sown. Right. Everything Moses had done for all those years Joshua comes in and he reaps the benefits of what Moses has sown. I want to say this, a lot of times when we see someone come to the altar, a lot of times when we see someone get right with God, it's not, friend, that we've done anything. It's just we're reaping what people have sown down through the years. And I began to realize that there was times in my life when I go back and I consider my salvation and when I got saved When I go back, and consider when I got right with God in times in my life. It never was that that one preacher really had just what I needed that second. It was just the straw that broke the camel's back to a lot of instances and a lot of times where God had already been dealing with me. And that gentleman that preached or that one that witnessed uh, was just reaping, friend, the benefits of what others had sown. And so Joshua did reap the benefits of what Moses had sown. All the while in the children of Israel's carnality, they could have said, well, we didn't make it because of Moses, but we made it because of Joshua. Well, they made it because they finally got their head right around God, what God wanted. But here's what bothers me, in, in, and I know I speak a lot or have as of late talking about fundamentalism, but I'm finding that we're in a generation today and seeing a generation today that are either in very liberal churches where anything goes, or they're not in church at all, but ha- they have no concern whatsoever for what is right in regards to this book. Now I would say to you that some of that can be attributed to the things that they've seen in man. All right? Now I want to look at this for just a minute. Let's consider Saul. When we think about King Saul, we automatically think about all the chasten that he done after David. We think about all the things David suffered because of the hands of Saul. We think about how that God had told uh, through through, uh, Samuel what he wanted Saul to do, but Saul took it upon himself to handle things his way. He implemented his own ideas into why. Then he tried to blame it on the children of Israel. He didn't want to take ownership for his disobedience. But we do understand here that God called and anointed that of Saul. Why? Because God seen something in Saul that he thought he could use. The problem is, is Saul, if you study Saul's life, Saul reigned one or two years and then began to, to go awry. You know what happened? Saul started tapping into that flesh that he was born with. He said, oh yeah, preacher, but Saul was a failure, but David come in to replace Saul. Yeah, and we find that David, being that man after God's own heart, done the same exact thing, just in a different way. But it was still his flesh that caused him the problem. So Saul being that of a failure, we look at Saul like a failure and David kind of like a savior. But in all reality, David still reared up and let his flesh do things and caused him to do things. That by all standards, we would really have an issue if we knew somebody personally in the church that done what David had done. So does that mean, this is my heart this morning. Does that mean that Moses, because Moses didn't get to go into the promised land, that Moses was all bad? Does it mean, now this is what amazes me, because you have to admit that Moses failed. But you have to admit Moses was a man of faith. Or he would not be in Hebrews chapter number 11. Now here's what's sad. I have often, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I often caution us about our testimony. I often caution us about how that we ought to live right in front of people. And we understand that we are letting uh, we, we're letting our light so shine before men that what he may see our good works and what? Glorify our Father. So we are we are being an example, we are being a light for the benefit of God being seen through our lives. There's no doubt about that. You can't deny that in the teachings of the scripture. But I want to say this, I am amazed that even in Moses' failure, Joshua reaped from what Moses had sown. Now, I want to caution you this morning not to fall out of the way because of something that you've seen or an attribute that you've seen in a man that you found to be failure. Because here's what I want you to know this morning. We all have the ability to fail. Now... I'm not issuing a license to you or to myself. I'm not giving you this, this I'm not warming up to you to present to you a failure this morning. What I'm saying to you is though, should you find somewhere down life's road, your pastor done something that was so out of character or so against God. It should not run you out of the way. It should not cause you to stop what you were doing and stop and question everything that's ever been said. Now here's what, here's what happens. When you find a man that you trust and that you love fails in the way that some of these men failed, it'd be easy for you to stop and sit down, draw a question mark on everything that's ever been said under the leadership of that individual. We are in a shadow of a doubt. We do know that James 5:17 says Elias was a man's subject. To like passions as we are, he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. What's that mean? Well, we see Elijah to be a man that the Lord done great things in his life. But he's also subject to like passions. He's just like me and you. He had to put his britches on in the morning, button his shirt, start his day, eat his breakfast just like everybody else did. So we're all in this together and the fact that we're robed in this flesh. And I'm thankful that I've not always been faithful, Brother Marvin, but he has. I'm thankful that I've always not come through, but he has. And so your faith this morning, I want you to understand, should not be contingent upon your faith in a man or the institution of men. Now, I find that I would be honest, I would say that I am where I am today because I was able to be around some folk that did shine a light for me. but I can also be honest with you and say that I've been in it long enough now that I've seen men that I had a lot of faith in. And my wife had a lot of faith in. And can I say to you, I actually was very instrumental in helping to get me where I'm at today. Yet I find that there's things going on in their life that cause me to wonder what in the world happened to them. And if you're not careful, When the devil jumps on your back and trouble comes up in your life, you want to sit down and and begin to scratch your chin and go, I wonder if any of this is real. I wonder if any of this is worth doing. I wonder if I've been sold a counterfeit the whole entire time. Say, preacher, could you get like that? Oh, sure you can. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because you know what I find? you run into more failures of men than you find not. And then what happens is when you're always looking at a man and he's always failing, you begin to go, you know, I don't think I can trust that man like I ought to. And the thing is, it's not that you, you, you shouldn't trust men, but you should trust God above men. And I ought to be trustworthy. But I, I stand before you telling you this morning that I am a man and I'm not looking to fail, but should I fail, it sure should not cause you to think that God has ever failed you Because God hasn't failed you. Can I say to you, what's interesting to me is although Moses failed, God didn't fail the children of Israel. God just sent Joshua down there to pick it up and to take it on. But where Moses failed does not automatically mean that everything Moses had ever done or Moses had ever said didn't bear any weight. Why? Because what Moses was saying, he was speaking As a man, as a vessel used under the honor of God. And God was speaking through Moses. Moses was God's mouthpiece. Now, we have the Word of God. And God speaks to us through the Spirit of God and through the Word of God. And I promise you this morning that you cannot find any failure in your Bible this morning. And so as we consider this... I've noticed a trend in regards to fundamentalism and a lot of it has to do with people in authority being exposed with major sins or something in their uh, life that's come to fruition and it's that negativity has impacted those around them a great deal. People question fundamentalism and this is just a great big joke of oppression for the for the cause of money and power and it's just run by hungry white supremacists, chauvinistic men, and I've heard all kinds of things. And uh, because a, a lot of men capitalize on the opportunity to go that direction, because it's easy to do when you're in a place of authority, it's hurt a lot of people. And it, can I say that it's causing uh, the fundamental movement to actually suffer a great deal today. Now I've expressed and emphasized the importance of being a godly example before people. I have emphasized a great deal the need for faithfulness. uh, And and I want to say to you this morning there's no doubt that an example before people is a powerful thing. A godly example uh, coupled with, with unwavering faithfulness is a big part of why I'm here today. But I want to say that men might change but the message doesn't. The message doesn't. God's word is God's word whether man believes it or not. And God's word is God's word whether man does with it what he ought to or not. And God's word is God's word whether you live by it or not. It's no wonder that if the godly example of man coupled with faithfulness is so powerful that an ungodly example coupled with unfaithfulness would be so harmful. Would you agree with that? I mean, we consider the goodness and the, and the, the light that is shown from a, from a person that is a godly example and, and has unwavering faith and stays faithful in regards to their relationship to the church and to the Lord. That's a, that's, a, that's a huge thing. But also on the opposing end of that, someone that's claimed that so long yet falls off the wagon, it's very harmful to a lot of people. Now, a lot of times it is harmful to those that are weak in the faith or young in Christ. The idea here is for you and I to get strong enough that we begin to understand that regardless of what I do, what Brother Shane does, what Brother Marvin does, what Brother Donnie does in front of you, that you still can trust God in that Bible regardless of what you see in a man. Now there wasn't always a time in my life where I could say that I could have stood on my own two feet had I seen some of the things that I've seen later in my life. But I can tell you that I've grown in enough grace and knowledge and and I've had enough of a relationship with the Lord long enough to understand that I've seen men fail, but God has never failed me. And God will never fail you in spite of what man does or does not do in regards to you personally. Now, unfaithfulness in a man will cause people to question everything that man ever said. By nature it'll cause you to question what he's done because it calls you to question in his motive. When you start beginning to question a person's motive, then you start to wonder if everything that you've been involved with up to this point is really truth or worth anything. Now that's, what, that's what happens when you rely on a man and not rely on God. Now the idea of, it, of a Godly example is that we can help folk get to the place where they can begin to see that they can rely on God. A lot of times, though, when we get people looking at our example and they start following our example, we run into this problem that we see a lot of a lot of big time churches with big time pastors that's got big time problems like to cause those people to follow the man instead of getting them on to God, and then when they fail, the people fall. It is never that I should get you to the place where you follow me everywhere I go. It's that I should get you to the place where you can see in in regards to God whether or not I'm telling you right or wrong. I want to say this. If you lose trust in the man, you'll lose trust in his teaching if you're not careful. But I want to say man didn't author the book that man uses. 2 Timothy 3:16 said all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in our righteousness. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter number 1 for just a moment. 2 Peter chapter number 1. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter number 1 give you just a second to find your place there. That the Bible says 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Now, what are we supposed to be as an example? We're supposed to be a light shining in a dark world that men may see our good works. Not that we're saved by works, but because we have works, because we're saved. Let our light so shine before men that they may serve good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. We're supposed to be a light that's illuminating in a dark world that points to Christ. But guess what? When we fail, we have a more sure word of prophecy. What's that mean? Well, the Lord used to speak in times past by the prophets. But in these last days has spoken to us by His Son. But his son now has passed off the scene and gone unto glory to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. But the comforter has come. And so the comforter, the Spirit of God, coupled with the word of God, we have a more sure word of prophecy. In other words, Brother Marvin, in the Old Testament, if Brother Marvin was a prophet, I am looking at Brother Marvin to be that one that tells me what is right and what is wrong. But I have to take Marvin's word for it. And guess what? That man's wrapped in flesh. Here's what I find. Now I have a more sure word of prophecy. What's that mean? That means the man has been taken out of the equation. Hallelujah to God. So when the man fails you, you can go back and realize that although the man may fail, the message doesn't, praise God. The, The man's been taken out of the equation. This is the Bible. And we all understand that all scripture was given by inspiration of God. So we have the mind of God in this book. So the Bible says we have also a more sure word of prophecy. The man factor is not involved here. And can I say that you get a transcript of what God said when man starts explaining it. See, Brother Marvin was a prophet in the Old Testament. I don't have a transcript to go by. I don't get to look down through line A, B, C, D, F, and G and make sure that Marvin's telling me like it is. But now you can do that. And I'm glad that there were men that led me in the right direction. That I look at today that I can say, my goodness, they're nothing but failures. Look at how they have quit on God. Or look at how they've backed up on what they preached. Or look at how they act today. I wonder if any of this amounts to anything. But i got a more sure word of prophecy. And although the man changed, the message didn't. And I thank the Lord for that. So what am I saying today? I'm saying I'm putting my faith and hope and trust in the book. Not in the man. How do you know whether you can follow him or not? Because you got the transcript. Right. Amen. The Bible, can I say, is God speaking to man. The Bible says in 2 Peter 119, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, Where unto you do well that you take heed is unto a light that shineth in a dark place unto the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Knowing, that, In other words, until the Lord comes back, we can trust his book. Knowing that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, a man can't build a doctrine out of manipulating one verse of scripture and feed you a counterfeit when you have the whole body of truth to yourself to read what God is saying about it. If the Bible is the mind of God, then you will run into a thought or usage of a verse elsewhere in the Scripture. So here's the thing. You've got a lot of people that will take one verse of Scripture and make a doctrine out of it. But we have a more sure word of prophecy. I can look beyond that because I can take the context of the entire Word of God as a whole what God is saying to me and understand that they are adulterating what it is that the Lord is saying to you and saying to me. We've got to be careful about grabbing one verse or part of a verse or half of a verse and building an entire doctrine out of it. And when one verse contradicts five other verses, you better go back and look around what you're seeing because what you're making out of it is not what is not what it is. God don't contradict himself. The Bible said in verse 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now we find that the man factor is missing. Now, go with me to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. <clears throat> now, backing up real quick, let me read to you that last verse, of chapter number 1, and move into chapter number 2. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 said, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All right? So the Holy Ghost moved upon the prophets, Brother Marvin, for the prophets to say what God wanted them to say. We see that when we look at the life of Elijah. But they were still men wrapped in flesh. But, here's what I like. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 says, But, notice that. Anytime you see but, there's something you need to take heed to right here. There were false prophets also among the people. So there were men of old that were moved to the Holy Ghost of God, but there were false prophets also among the people. Can I say to you, there's preachers today that are moved by the Holy Ghost of God to preach the written Word of God. But, There's preachers today that are in it for their own self-will and glory and self-glorification and whatever they can get out of it. The Bible said, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. So here's what I want you to understand. It's not a case of will we ever run into one. You're bound to. You're bound to run into as many bad preachers, Brother Marvin, as you are good ones. And may even run into more bad ones than you do good ones. You're going to run into more churches that are contrary to God's Word than you are churches that are going towards God's Word. That doesn't mean anything. Because we don't put our faith in God based on our faith in man. If your faith in God is based on your faith in man alone, then you might as well pack it up and go home tonight and not come back. Because you're destined for failure but I'm thankful that in spite of man and see God does choose to use man because why everything God does God does it so that he can get the glory out of it God didn't ask you because you're so great God didn't want you because you're so good God wanted you because you wasn't worth 15 cents because God wants to get the glory out of your life knowing that you was nothing to nobody so can I say I stand before you not because I'm a great preacher I don't stand before you because I'm so wonderful. I just stand before you because of grace. I'm just here because I'm a nobody and a no good and a nothing, and so are you. And so God's going to get the glory out of my life when I yield to him in spite of my own idiocy, in spite of my own flesh, in spite of my own ignorance, in spite of everything, God still wants to use me because I ain't no good. And I thank the Lord for that. So the Bible here says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Drop down here to verse number 18. The Bible said, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity... They allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome are the same as he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome the latter end is worse with them than the beginning for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. The Bible says, but it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now here's what's interesting about this portion of scripture right here. Verse 20 says, for if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We don't find a relationship here, Brother Marvin. We find knowledge of the truth. Now each one of us was presented with the knowledge of the truth before we made the decision whether we would accept that truth and follow and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or reject it. So everybody that's ever been saved by the grace of God made a decision based upon the knowledge that they had been given. This is not falling from grace. This is not somebody that's been saved and has lost their salvation. This portion of Scripture is talking about someone who has been presented with the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, yet chosen to go contrary to that and even pollute what God had to say or attempt to pollute the message of the Lord. Notice this verse of Scripture. The Bible said, But it happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to our wallowing in the mire. You'll be uh, reminded of Luke, excuse me, Luke chapter 15 when we consider uh, the pig pen within the midst uh, of that chapter. We were reminded and think about how that the, uh, the father. Uh, had a son who got his inheritance and went into the far country and after he'd spent all that he had had and wasted all his substance and righteous living that he finds himself down in the midst of a hog pen and he would desire that he fed with the swine. And so when it gets to the place where this son is going to be down here in the hog pen wallowing in the mire with the hogs that he's going to He's hungry. He has a desire within his belly to eat what the hogs eat because he's hungry. Problem was he wasn't a hog. And when he got so far down that he realized I'm fixing to eat with something that's not even my own like kind, he got to thinking about what? The father's house. The father's house. Now he never was a hog. He was always a son. And because he was a son... When he got down there with the hogs and fixing the to act like a hog, he thought about the Father and what the Father had to offer. Now that's a beautiful picture of what the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you if you're a saved, born-again believer. You may get into the far country. You may go a long ways off from God. But I do want you to understand something. You won't forget about the Father or his house. The Father and the Father's house will keep coming to you in the wee hours of the night when you're down there thinking about swapping with the hogs down in the trough. But in this particular portion of Scripture, 2 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 22, we're talking about a hog that was washed to, and going back into the wallowing of the mire. So the interesting thing here is that the prodigal was never supposed to be down in the, uh, in the, uh, in the midst of the hog pen eating uh, in the trough with the pigs, Right? All right, but the very thing that brought him out of that awful state was that he knew no matter what, he wasn't a pig. He was a son. He never was convinced that he was a hog. Matter of fact, he was so convinced that he wasn't a hog that that's what made him want to go back to the father's house. So what I'm saying to you, it's possible to be a son and get down there with the hogs. But it ain't possible to be a son and get down there with the hogs and not think about the father of the father's house. Same thing with a hog. The hog may find himself at the father's house. That don't make him a son. It makes him desire to go back to the the mire and the water and go down there and muddy himself back up again. You know, you can wash a hog and put lipstick on a hog and clean a hog and curl the hog's tail and the hog's still a hog. Don't make the hog a son. And so what I'm finding here is the Bible's talking in 2 Peter Chapter number 2, about one that was never in the family of God to begin with. All right, so the, the pigs that were eating of the trough that day may have followed the prodigal home, but there never was a son. And I'd say that after they didn't find what they were looking for at the prodigal's, at the daddy's house, they went back to the hog pen. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to add more to the scripture than what's there, but I'm trying to bring a distinguishing difference between the hog and And the sun. You may find that the sun ends up with the hogs or the hogs end up with the sun. But they are what they are and they think about where they come from because of what they belong to. (coughs) This does not show us that everything that's in the hog pen is lost is what I'm trying to say. And this doesn't mean that everything that's at God's house is of God either. (coughs) This don't mean that everyone at the father's house belongs to the father. It means that if you're at the father's house and you do not belong to him as a son, you're going to be thinking about the hog pen. Just as if you're a son that belongs to the father down at the hog pen with the hogs, you're going to be thinking about the father's house. Both the son and the pigs could find themselves in the pig pen together. And both the son and the pigs might find themselves at the father's house. That don't mean anything. And sometimes we start looking at folk that's in the hog pen and say, well, they ain't saved. Or we look at folk that's down at, at the father's house and say, well, they're saved. We can't go based upon that. We can't go based upon that. <clears throat> the son goes back to the father's house because he's a son. And the pig wants to go back to the hog pen because he's a pig. And so that brings me to this portion of scripture. Going to 1 John chapter 2, verse number 19. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 2, verse. let's back up to verse number 18 for just a minute. The Bible says here, little children, it is the last time, as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that this is the last time. Now, first of all, Antichrist, plural does not mean that this is likened unto the Antichrist we read about in the book of Revelation as being someone that is trying to represent God. It just means that these Antichrists, plural, are just that. They're anti, against, opposing that of Christ. So we're in the last times because we find that there are a bunch of Anti Christ. Everywhere you look in 2021, in the world that we live in today, is anti God, anti Church, anti local assembly, anti Christ, anti God, anti Christianity, anti Bible. It's anti, 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 and that's what we're finding here. It says uh, little children, "Is the last time." As you have heard that Antichrist shall come, but even now are there many Antichrists? So as the, the teaching is simply this in its simplest form. We're in the last times and you're sitting in a world that's opposing God. Many around you are opposing Christ. Whereby we know that this is the last time. So we're in the last time and we know we're in the last time. Because we can look around us and see that people are anti-Christ. Right? Anti-God. They went out from us. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us. They would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Now, not careful, you'll take that verse of Scripture and say, well, if you've left the Father's house, you were never of us. It's not what that's teaching. This verse of Scripture is not teaching us that someone left us, went out into the world, and were not of us, and we know that they were not of us because they left us not what that means what it means is is by the nature of one that is not is not of us they're going to desire to go to where they come from and be with what they are the same as the prodigal goes down into the hog pen he was not of us the pigs were down there eating in the trough going ah he is not of us he never was confused whether he was of us or of them he knew he belonged to the Father, and because he did, what happened? He went to where the Father was. The hog can be of us, or with us, but the hog is not of us. And we know that the hog is not of us because the hog went back down there and jumped in the mire and waddled around in the pen. If the hog is of us, I mean, if, if that one that goes down there gets in the hog pen and waddled around in us of us, they're going to come back to us because they're not going to forget the Father in the Father's house. That's the teaching of this verse of scripture. What happens though? You and I have a tendency to look at Moses and say, as the children of God, and go well. We never made it to the Promised Land because Moses failed us. No, they were still God's children, even though Moses made a mistake, and Moses was still God's man, even though Moses made a mistake. And what we got to do is be careful not to look. At something at face value and give it some, give it more authority than what it should have. We can't look at somebody and say, ah, oh, they're lost. We can't look at somebody and go, ah, oh, they're saved just based on where they're at at that moment. And you can't look at where you're at today and blame where you're at on somebody else or say that church altogether as a whole is not worth going to. I've been sold a sham. I've been sold a facade. None of this is real because that man failed. Here's the teaching it's not that Moses failed it's that if you fail because Moses failed you was not of God you was of Moses. If you fail and quit on God because a man failed you were not following God to begin with you were following a man. So my question to you is simply this. You think of someone in your life that helped you get to where you are today. You have to have someone because you, someone invested in your life. You're not here by happenstance. How do I know that? Because God give us the church. And God sees people saved through the church, the bride. All right? Daddies don't have babies unless there's mommies. That's just a principle. And God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has the church. And children are born into the family of God through that of the church. We understand that principle. Someone in the body of Christ invested in your life. What, do you, what happens today if you find out that they have turned into a rogue and they don't go to church and they don't do right? You might question if they ever were right. But you cannot question the word and the message that they brought. Why? We have a more sure word of prophecy my message to you simply is this this morning if you're doing what you're doing to follow a man you're going to fail and quit God just as soon as that person fails and messes up with God I want you to be strong enough this morning That regardless of what happens in your church, regardless of what happens in your marriage, regardless of what happens with your pastor, regardless of what happens with your children, or regardless of what happens with the ones that invested in your life to get you where you're at today, man is subject to fail, but God cannot and he will not fail you. Do not look at your spirituality based on the face value of someone else. Just as you can't look at somebody and say they're saved or they're lost, you can't look at the person that failed and say that God isn't real or his book isn't real or this whole thing's a sham and it's all a fake and a phony. That's what the devil wants you to believe. The devil wants to wreck your life, he wants to wreck your church, he wants to make you think that none of this is real, none of this matters, because if it did, that person wouldn't have done what they'd done. That person done what they've done because they needed the Jesus that I have in my heart to begin with. You need the Lord. I need the Lord because I'm a failure, and you're a failure. Today, it do you good to know what a failure you are and to know what a failure the one sitting beside you is, the one sitting in front of you is, and the one sitting behind you is. And when we all see each other as the failures we are, if we could see ourselves as the failures that Jesus has seen us as, then, friend, we could look to him and put all of our hope, faith, and trust in him and not put it in a man. I'll say this, as the sister comes to the piano, as we all stand to our feet this morning, I've not always been faithful with Marvin, but he has. I've not always done right, but he has. I've not always had the answers, but he has. I've not always passed the test, but he did. Thanks be unto God this morning that we have one that cannot and will not fail, and he's one that sticketh closer than a brother. You know what happens? I, as your brother in Christ, might fail you. But he won't. You, as my brother or sister in Christ, might fail me. But as close as you may stick to me as a brother or sister in Christ, he sticks closer than that. And I'm glad when the whole world turns against us, if it does, we can look at the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for abiding on the inside, leading, and guiding, and directing. I don't know if you're suffering t- this morning. From, from, some, from issues based upon failure that you've seen in people you loved and cared about. I don't know if you're suffering this morning because of the failures that you see in yourself. I don't know what you... And you may just be... You, you may be headed down a road that somewhere in the near future. Somebody you really love and care about that's been helped you is going to fall and fail. You better buckle down and remember that that person's just flesh. But the Lord will take care of your need. He won't fail you. He'll be with you, and he'll continue to guide you in spite of it. You need to come talk to the Lord this morning. You come.